Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and Merrimack Valley for a very long time, since 1992 to be official. Uh, 2019 in the Merrimack Valley. 2019 in the Merrimack Valley, 1992 on the South Shore. Yes. And many more years to come. And many. Uh, cheers. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Look forward to sitting across through the window from you for many years to come. Uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial. We have offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Mass. And I'm joined this morning by my husband and fellow advisor, Kirk Reed. And we are chatting about the ever-evolving retirement plan. And I was saying that that could be interpreted in many different ways. My, my dad actually sent me an article this morning about the ever-evolving actual retirement account, like retirement plan and how California is uh, implementing, has just implemented some legislation regarding uh, mandating retirement contributions or or by default uh, having people re- contribute to a retirement plan even if their employer doesn't offer one. But um, that's maybe a conversation for another day because today we're talking about um, the ever-evolving financial model in terms of someone's actual plan for their financial future and all the different ways it can be utilized should you have a plan in place. Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to sort of continue this discussion because one of the one of the most, perhaps most powerful and one of the most common ways to utilize this plan is to test for sufficiency of insurance coverage of different types, but perhaps we'll start with life insurance coverage. That's probably the most, I'm gonna say, beyond like the mandated insurance coverages, which are, you know, uh, homeowners and and auto, um, I'm gonna say that life insurance is probably the most common privately purchased insurance coverage. It's not often that someone goes out and privately purchases disability or long-term care insurance, um, but pretty much everyone knows that they need life insurance if they carry debt, if they if they have people that are dependent upon them. Well, and I think it's more, you know, it's more heavily marketed. So I think True. You know, yeah. life insurance versus, versus the other ones. I think, yeah, and, and oftentimes people, sometimes people think they need it and they might not necessarily. Sure. Uh, yep. So, you know, you can see it both ways, but yeah, you're right definitely more people have this type of coverage than than others. Yeah, and so um, I get the question fairly often, how much life insurance should I carry? And and people of all ages um, can ask that, have asked that question and will continue to ask that question. And it's a very fair question because you don't want to over-insure 
because many of significant amount of life insurance policies never pay out, especially if you're talking about term insurance that expires at a certain time. Um, so you want to make sure you're not over-insuring and spending money on something you really don't need. Um, and you also want to make sure you're not under-insured because if, un if the unfortunate happens, you want to make sure that your dependents are cared for. So very relevant question. Um, and there's like, you know, rules of thumb in the industry that, that you know, we use or an insurance professionals use to estimate. There's, there's, there's insurance calculators where you can kind of do a quick calculation based on your earned income, based on the amount of debts that you carry, based on your spouse's earned income. Um, you know, there's, there are some pretty good calculators out there, but another really great way to solve for how much life insurance do I need or not need is to take a financial model that we already have in place, if we have one in place, um, which is the, which is the, which is the retirement model for, in this case, let's call it a married couple, um, a really great way to test for what, how much insurance each spouse needs is to alter that retirement plan and have someone die prematurely and see what the rest of the retirement plan looks like for the other spouse. And so I do this fairly regularly in my practice. Um, and from a logistical point of view, it's actually super easy to do because we just have our financial model, which is let's, let's in this example, say husband and wife, and they're both working maybe, and, and they're going to retire at this point in time and everything looks great. And in our example that we were um, talking about before the, the break, uh, this client had like an 80 year and 85% chance of, of uh, having enough assets to retire at 65 and last until 90. Um, but you know, if for, for us to, to model and actually in that, in the model we currently have, do we actually, do we have insurance in this model currently, life insurance? Mm, let me see. In this model where we have husband and wife exactly the same age. And, we do not. Okay, great. So <laughs> I was gonna say life insurance doesn't factor in, but I needed to confirm that. Um, in this- Well, in that first one, they were both living to 90 anyway, so. Right, yeah. they were at the same age and they were both gonna yeah. die at the same time, which right. like never happens, but. Right. Same um, age, yeah. yeah, same death. Yep. Okay, so their original, model financial plan was successful without any insurance coverage. So for us, it's really easy to say, you know, let's pretend they neither of them have any insurance or maybe they both have like one times their salary through their employer or something like that, pretty standard. Um, we can literally just change one data input and alter the life expectancy for one of the spouses. And so Kirk just pop into the software and let's just let's have mm, just have one of them die prematurely. Let's let's have Mister um, unfortunately pass prematurely. So let's call it like let's say this year. Like the most conservative way to test this Oops. is is a premature death imminent. <laughs> um, so if we just change the life expectancy for one of them, and we rerun the plan, making sure that obviously you're just going to quick make sure that like if he, his social security benefit doesn't transfer to her, but everything else would transfer to her in this example. Yeah, we, he does have a pension in this case. Okay, he had a small pension. And we were, right now we're assuming a 0% okay. survivor. Fine, let's just leave it like that and, and um, test it. So so this, this particular client had a pretty great retirement model, successful. Um, and let's say that <coughs> Mr. Client unfortunately dies prematurely and we're just gonna rerun the plan to see if Mrs. Client can pull off a successful retirement without Mr. Client's earned income contributions to retirement. And the pension. And the pension. We should probably the, go back the, and- The pension was, pension, a, it was a biggie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So came back and said 8%. Okay. So this is a scenario where if Mr. Client has no life insurance, the family is clearly relying on his income and, and the family's ability to save based on his income. Um, and retirement for Mrs. Client in this example does not look successful at all. With an 8% chance out of 100, that's not a successful model. What if you change the pension so that there is a, a, some- a, Like a two thirds? Yeah, like because someone with a pension, there would be a, um, there would be a survivor benefit. Well, if he didn't take the pension yet, there should be some kind of survivor benefit to Mrs. Maybe make it one third because if he dies prematurely before he's done working, um, it might be a lower amount. Okay, so we're just gonna really quickly rerun the model. Um, but long story short, be, many families rely on both incomes um, to meet expenses, but also for their ability to save for the future. Um, and so it, it, 
for people that still have debt and haven't yet accumulated um, you know, a sufficient nest egg to retire right now and, and still need to save um, for that retirement goal. Um, and especially if they have dependent children, um, then getting, then having life insurance coverage is generally appropriate anyway, but this will help us solve for, so if we just go into the model, so, you know, we've confirmed that with no insurance, Mrs. Klein's financial future doesn't look as successful. So if we just go into the insurance coverage tab and we can add some insurance on Mr. Client and we can just rerun this and, you know, it usually just takes like a few times to kind of hone in on what is an appropriate amount of life insurance to cover. Many employers would offer, you know, one time salary, two times salary, maybe three times salary for some executives um, of, of life insurance coverage, um, at, you know, at a low cost, maybe the employer pays some of it. Um, but, you know, term insurance to cover, you know, to cover a basic need beyond that um, is very appropriate for many people. So um, uh, let's put in like half a million. Is that what you just said? I did, did 500,000, yeah. Okay, you did 500,000 of insurance coverage yep. Yep. and her retirement scenario still doesn't look as successful? It's, yeah, I mean, it helped, but it didn't It didn't solve the problem. Okay, so, you know, in, in the example that we have, uh, Mr. Client had, actually, you know what? Um, I think we didn't have her adding to a retirement plan. Okay. So actually go ahead and do that and make sure the 500,000 gets put into an account that she can use in her retirement. Did you do that? Right. No, we're just kind of, yeah, I was just kind of doing Okay. Quick, we're just kind of playing, we're yeah. just kind of playing around here yeah. and, and you know, it's kind of hard. You don't want to have too much dead air when you're, when you're um, doing calculations, but um, what Kirk is doing right now oh, she is doesn't just, have one. Okay. Yeah. What Kirk is doing right now is just making sure that the life insurance proceeds get put into an account where she can draw from it because that's what would happen in reality. She would have some sort of a financial account. Maybe it's just cash. Maybe it's an investment account that she can um, draw draw from and um, just making sure that she, uh, her social security and her pension are, are part of the cash flow in the future. So we'll just do that really quickly. But I think like the, the I mean, what the takeaway from this is, is that you can, you know, you can ballpark an amount of life insurance coverage you need. Like if you have no kids, if it's, if it's husband and wife, no kids, um, and both spouses are working, then I would say generally speaking, if you had enough to, to cover any debts that you have, then then depending on the amount of, you know, income that each spouse makes, you know, maybe if a spouse had no mortgage and no other debts and they were working that they might have an ability to pay for a basic life on their own. So if you, so if one spouse has at least as much, uh, life insurance coverage as the debt, that's that's sometimes sufficient. If you have kids to throw in there, that right. that throws a whole monkey wrench in it because there might be childcare related expenses and certainly college expenses and, to consider. And, you know, because we are doing this kind of the a quick version, we're not adjusting their expenses and, you know, they had pretty high expenses oh, and, yeah. we, and we didn't touch those. Yeah, um, okay, yep. So we were just like, you know, one of the keep, you know, in this case, because we're just doing it quick, it was basically keeping their lifestyle exactly okay. the same, yep. uh, even though their income is getting, you know, slashed. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, in, do, in doing that, um, you know, so the first time we ran it with no insurance, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Client dying, you know, next year, um, you know, they're their score, you know, went from 85% down to like 8%. Right. So that, that was the first, you know, that was with keeping everything status quo as far as the expenses goes. Um, but then by, so then, you know, just to kind of see how the numbers move. So by adding $500,000 of life insurance that made their score go up, go to 34%. So it's still not a good score, uh, but it certainly did, you know, did help the odds. But you're right. You didn't adjust expenses I did not down. Adjust you could expenses. adjust them down by a third or something like, or 25% or something like that. But I mean, I, we don't need to, you know, get into the exact details for today, but the point is that this is a really great way to test for sufficiency of life insurance coverage. There have been times when I've gone through these models and people think they, like you said earlier, sometimes people carry life insurance because it makes them feel good. They've always carried insurance, you know, it just makes them, makes them feel better. And sometimes we go through these scenarios and it turns out they don't really need it. And, and it's nice to see that again, people are visual. A lot of people are visual learners and it's nice to see that up on the screen. We gave them, we, we put in all this data, which we think is pretty accurate and, and it still looks okay without the insurance coverage and gives people peace of mind. I've also had, you know, I also had a conversation recently where one of the spouses did not carry life insurance and we, we did some modeling and determined that 
if one spouse died prematurely, the other spouse could afford life. Uh, they made a sufficient amount of money to pay fixed expenses, but what they would give up in this example was an ability to um, get their kids through college. And it was kind of like, well, how, how do you feel about that? And if you don't feel great about that, then maybe you should at least grab some, you know, 10 or 15 year term insurance coverage, depending on your age, um, just so that it covers that period of time where the kids are getting through college and maybe you have enough to get them through like a, a public school college, each, each one of them, and, and, and just feel better about that because it can be pretty short money. Depending on your age and health, it can be pretty short money to, to get a 10 or a 15 year term policy just for enough to get, you know, the kids through college and, and just feel better about that for 50 bucks a month or whatever, you know, it is. So, um, this was a this is a great um, this tool is really great to be able to solve for those things. All right, so I, I went back in and, and adjusted their expenses. So I, I reduced their current expenses by twenty five percent. So I you know took okay. took their expenses, cut them by twenty five percent, and and with no um, with no life insurance, it it took their score to fifty six percent. Okay, so it went from eighty five to fifty six. Yeah. All right, so not you know. Not as not as drastic, but but still not not a not a great score. Yeah. Um, so then, if I went in and added the five hundred thousand of life insurance to that, um, then the new score was. I I took a sneak peek earlier when you were you? doing it. Was it ninety nine? Mm. Oh. Yeah, ninety. Ninety percent. Okay. Which makes sense because in our initial analysis of their of their financial life. They did have an excess of cash flow, but it wasn't as much as Mr. Client's income. So they were relying on a portion of his income right. in order to pay their expenses and save for the future. So that makes perfect sense. And, and this is, again, a great tool. I did just want to touch on disability insurance for a moment. because We don't talk about that very, very frequently on the show, I mean. Um, and many people that, you know, that work for larger employers in particular have some basic disability insurance through their insur their employer. But there's a lot of people that don't have disability available through their employer and you can go out and if you're, you know, if, if you're healthy and, um, you know, you can go out and buy your own disability insurance coverage. I don't think it's incredibly common. I don't know the statistics, but it's certainly not as common as, as life insurance. But I, we can utilize this tool to solve for that. Like if you think about um, if you think about like uh, a young married couple with no kids, right? And they both make good money and they're significantly, you know, they have a significant ability to save. They have more, they have more money than they need. And if neither of them carry disability insurance, then it might be okay because in that example, when there's, you know, no one dependent upon them and they're both working and they both make enough to afford a life, then then if there was a period of disability, maybe that's okay. But there's a lot of situations where a family relies on both incomes or or if it's just one person working, they're, they're relying fully on that person's income. And so disability insurance has its place in the world. Uh, and, I, and I think it's pretty, it, it's, it's necessary for a lot of people, I think. Would you disagree? I mean, I, I think it's... I mean, when, if... I guess it's if you thought if you thought about a single person maybe either you know either either yeah. either like as you said a married couple where there's just one person working or if you're a single person living by yourself and you know if you're relatively young and something happens where you can't you know you can't work or or anywhere near the you know earning what you what you were earning mm -hmm. that's that'd be a, that'd be a terrible you know drastic you know terrible situation yeah um, and if you're only you know. <laughs> 30 years old or 40 years old and you've got another 20 or 30 years until retirement, um, you know, you could argue that, that this is probably, yeah. you know, much more important insurance than, than some other ones out there. Yeah. And there are some, I didn't research it, but, but before this show, but there are some statistics out there where the indicating that, that someone going through a period of disability, which just means a period of time where they're unable to work for health reasons. It doesn't necessarily mean you become disabled. It means you can't work for a period of time. It could be you are going through chemotherapy for a period of time and can't work. Uh, you know, there, there's, 
it's it's more broad than I think some people think. But it's actually the statistics are pretty eye-opening and that it's pretty common that someone would go through a period of time like that. Um, and so disability insurance is very appropriate for a lot of people. But we can utilize, my point in, in this discussion is for today that we can utilize the software to solve for how much, like if someone, like I said, if someone can get insurance through an employer at a very reasonable cost, do it. Please do it. Mm-hmm. If it's not, if it, if it, you know, if it's ten bucks a paycheck or twenty bucks a paycheck, you know, and you have a family independence on you, please do it and get and get as much coverage as you as you can. But there are often times when people work for smaller employers or disability insurance just isn't available to them, and they have to consider going out and buying it on their own. And 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 if you're young and healthy, it can be reasonably priced as well. But um, but sometimes it's like, well, you know, do I have to spend the money on this? How much do I need? to cover and again you want to be sure that you're not over insuring and paying for something that you don't really need and might never use um so this tool again we were talking about analyzing someone's cash flow and their current financial income and out and expenses in their in the current balance um it's a great way to solve for how much do you really need and you know we can model a moment ago we modeled someone dying prematurely but we could also just eliminate someone's income. If it's a married couple both working, if we eliminate someone's income and then relook at their cash flow, you know, if in this example, Mr. and Mrs. Client, they had a great ability to save, but Mr. Client in our example makes $100,000 a year. And if that income is wiped out, there is going to be no, not only no ability to save, but no but likely it's going to show this Mr. and Mrs. Client as cash flow negative, which means they can't afford their life. So either life changes, and sometimes that's, I'm sorry, that's always hard, easier said than done, right? It's, it, it's very hard to change lifestyle, but sometimes it's changing a lifestyle might mean a real estate move, or it might mean pulling kids out of activities. And, and, that, and that's just not always as easy as it sounds. Um, yeah, so Kirk just reran it and, and now they're cash flow negative by $1,500 a month. And it's not always easy for people to just cut out an amount of expenses like that. Um, and so that's where we would kind of use this to solve for, well, what do you need at a, as, a, as a minimum for disability insurance? In this example, $1,500 a month. Yeah, just to keep your, yeah, to keep right. your life as is uh, if, that's, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, and this actually eliminated his ability to this actually eliminated his ability to save for retirement. Right, too. no more, so yeah, no more yeah. savings for retirement. Um, yeah, you don't have you don't have the cash flow. You don't have the cash flow to do it. And, yeah. and now and now you don't. Now there's no buffer either. You know, it used to be they had a buffer for you know discretionary right. things, and it's not there anymore. That's um, right. Yeah. So if something else came up, now they're even they're even more in the negative. Yeah, and I would say that this is of all the insurances I talk about with my clients, this is one of. Not one, I would say long-term care insurance is probably the least common, but maybe the second least common. But but this actually puts it right up on the screen in front of you that this is this is what it looks like and it's not good. And, and this is why people buy disability insurance. And again, like if you have it through your employer and if you if you have people dependent upon you, whether a spouse or kids or both, and, and you can get it through your employer at a reasonable cost, I, I, I hope that people are doing that. And again, there are times when when you might not have it and, and um, you can go out and purchase it on your own, assuming you're healthy and, and things like that. You can buy private disability insurance. And, the um, ma- and basically the max age for for receiving benefits is 65? I th- for, I've never seen a policy go be, I don't know of a policy that would pay beyond 65. So I was yeah, just, you yeah, know, the point I was yeah. going to make is that, you know, if you're, if you're in your sixties, you know, disability insurance is, you know, diminishing return, you know, it's, That's it's, true. it's yep. not, a, it's not as important, right. you know, the older you get, uh, but, but for younger folks, it's much more important. That's true. But priced to reflect that. Mm. Um, uh, all right. So we have like an, an, a minute here and we got to take a break. We're talking about the ever evolving retirement plan or the ever evolving financial model, I guess, and all the different ways you can take up a, a plan that you have in place for someone and um, alter the data inputs and and uh, solve for uh, other things or, or answer other questions that people have or, or maybe not even answering questions that people have, but 
uh, showing people what other things they might consider in, in their financial life. But uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We are going to take a very quick break and come back for our last segment of the show, which we're going to talk about um, other ways to manipulate a plan, maybe second properties, maybe some estate planning considerations. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. New tagline, educating the investors of the South Shore and Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my husband and fellow advisor, Kirk Reed. And we've been talking about um, all sorts of financial modeling. Absolutely 100% my favorite thing to do in my practice with my clients. Um, I'm a problem solver by nature, so I love this ability to not necessarily solve problem, but like, you know, answer people's questions in great detail. Sometimes I get a little too detailed, but, and I, I always apologize for that, but I think math. people, yeah. I think people appreciate the fact that I'm very detail oriented when it comes to their finances and their financial, uh, future financial security. So that's actually a good thing. Um, so we're talking about, um, basically how important it is to have a financial plan in place for your own self. I would say almost regardless of your age, thirties uh, is not too young to start thinking about this stuff. Um, especially if you're, um, well, I guess in many, in in any financial situation, but especially if you if if you're a, uh, in a situation where you have money that you don't almost like don't know what to do with, and you want to make sure you're doing the right things with it. I guess is what I mean by that. Um, but but never so almost never too early to start if you're a working professional and have income and, and assets to save. And what we're talking about is number one, the importance of that, but also hammering home the importance of that is, is illustrating all the different ways that we um, can use this plan in their financial life, in someone's financial life. So not not only, so a financial plan doesn't just answer the question, when can I retire? How much do I need to save for retire? Will my assets last in retirement or will I run out of assets? So those are like the main issues. But beyond that is um, how much life insurance do I need or not need? Um, how much can I afford to pay for my kids to go to college without affecting my, my the rest of my life too much? Um, you know, can I afford a second property? We didn't do that one in great detail yet, but other things like, um, do I need to carry disability insurance? Do I do I uh, can I afford long term care insurance? Are we gonna can do that? I, we can do I, that one. Yeah, we can do that one. I also yeah. wanted to talk about. Um, we can do that one. We have like twenty seven minutes. Okay, twenty six minutes. So. The other things I have on my list are um, people that do, people that have estate tax, uh, projected estate tax liabilities, and that go through the estate planning process and, and do some trust work like credit shelter trusts and what they call ABC trusts and, and trying to minimize estate taxes essentially by, um, by, by almost like skipping a generation and putting assets in trust for their kids versus their spouse. And, this, and, and in that scenario, sort of focusing on making sure the spouse's lifestyle can be maintained if assets are not accessible to him or her at death, um, at, at the other spouse's death. And also um, what I call with my clients, ready Kirk, this is, yep. we're gonna coin this one as well. Term, yeah. My hollow out strategy. I think I talked about this on the air once or twice where um, let's say you, you're in a, in a situation where maybe you are retired and drawing from your assets and maybe you're living a very comfortable retirement and you're traveling as much as you want to and things are great. And maybe you come to the realization that I'm drawing a pretty small amount from my portfolio and my life is still good. What else can I do? And, and can I hollow out a certain amount of my assets and earmark them for my my kids now, and will I be okay? Maybe, maybe that might mean giving them to the kids now. It might mean gifting, or it might just mean kind of earmarking and investing differently. And if I do that, am I still going to be okay with what's left? So that's what I call my hollow out strategy. Let's let's kind of hone in on what you could hollow out that you, that we were pretty comfortable you don't need. You won't be spending. 
Um, and that will let's earmark that for the kids or let's gift it to the kids or let's gift it to a charity or let's invest it aggressively and, and, and make that work for the kids if they don't inherit it for 20 or 30 years. And then, and then let's live on what's left. So those are some, those are all pretty cool, right? Mm -hmm. These, the, and what, and then what you mentioned is kind of solve it long, the long-term care one is very, very, um, necessary, but not as fun. It's okay. totally not as fun. <laughs> um, so I guess just really quick, let's, let's we'll just talk about the hollow out one. Cause I, all right. Sort so of we have, we stage. have this base, we have this base. We're using the same base scenario. Okay. Right? So go to the back base scenario for Mr. And Mrs. Client where they they're retire at 50 60. Set, they're currently yep. 57, going to retire at 65, yep. uh, live to 90. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their current plan looks good. Okay. Um, so let's say that they have actually the, you know what? They're not of an age where I would probably do a hollow out strategy because I generally would do that with someone who's already retired and drawing from the portfolio. Um, so I guess maybe we'll just, I'll just elaborate on that a little bit and then we can skip, skip over that one. But what, so, so again, what that is, is if you come to You don't to sound the, excited about skipping over it though. Well, I know, cause I really do really like doing it for people that are in a position where they are pretty comfortable that they have more assets than they will spend, which is a great, it's not a problem. It's just, it's a great situation to be in. Um, there might be estate tax issues related to that, but they're, they're, um, it, it opens up the uh, ability to have the conversation regarding, I have probably too much and what can I do with it now? There's a lot of people that want to gift during life because they want, they don't want their, they, they want to see their kids appreciate the money while they're living. They want to see it right. <laughs> with their eyes. They, they want to be there when, when their kids are uh, financially relieved and, and but the, you know. Yeah, but the, the fine line is then, then it, will there become a point where they're going to be dependent mm -hmm. upon their children if they, if they give it away, you know, too much or too early. That's right. So you have to be very and conservative. That's, and with that's why we want to go through this process. Yeah. Right, right. And so maybe we can't do it with this actual model because it's a little bit premature. I probably wouldn't do that for a client until they were in that life. Cause it's, it's one thing to talk about what my retirement will cost me and how often I'll travel. And then it's another thing to be in that life because sometimes the assumptions are different from reality as we know. Um, but, but yeah, so a little bit premature, but that is a really cool, it is, it's cool. Trust mm -hmm. me. I it's a you. really cool way to, um, to utilize a financial plan and kind of manipulate it and play around with, well, what if I do this and can I, can I afford to, um, you know, I've had clients buy condos for their kids. I've had them, um, you know, just gift dollars regularly or one time. I've had them earmark just a chunk of money for the kids. Like I'm pretty sure I won't need this, and I want to get aggressive with it because I'm because I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm comfortable uh, investing in stocks. And but based on my age, I I have less exposure to stocks in my own portfolio, and I know that that's right. But but let's get aggressive with one account, and we're pretty sure. Or we maybe they want to they want to you know, pay for a big family vacation for like Perfect. the entire extended family. Perfect example. That adds up. Yeah. Everyone's going to Disney World. Yeah. Everyone's going on a cruise. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect way to, to use a plan to model that stuff and feel comfortable with it. Um, all right. But that's just very fun. But you're right. We probably can't do it with this, um, with this person. Um, I guess we can talk about the model for long-term care because it's a very common discussion. We, we, we make a point where appropriate to talk to someone about um, you know, the, the cost, the, the potentially significant cost of long-term care, either at home or, or in a uh, assisted living or nursing home or the like, that's very expensive for anyone who's gone through it or had a family member gone through it. They know how expensive that can be and how quickly assets can uh, diminish as a result of that. Um, and so we're, we generally have the conversation, you know, maybe like not until someone's 50 or 55 or something like that or, or, or older, but we generally are having the conversation regarding, okay, you have assets to protect and- And you have children. And you have children that you may want to protect those or, assets or, for. Or other, you know, beneficiaries that you're yep. passionate about. If yep. it's, maybe it's a charity or whatever it may be. Yeah. And, and so the discussion is, can you afford to pay for your own long-term care, can you self-insure? Um, not everyone can. If if you have multi-millions and your retirement plan looks successful in and of itself, and you might have a significant excess, which we were talking about a minute ago in a different in it from a different point of view. Um, but can you afford to self-insure? 
certainly some people can, um, or is the insurance appropriate for me and affordable to me without impacting my life too much? So do you want to run that scenario regarding insurance? Well, or what? I guess for, um, for st- let's do the self-insurance first. Okay. So let's, let's pretend like they, they do not have the long-term care insurance, okay. but they're going to run into the case where somebody needs care. Um, so it looks like you already kind of plugged in a couple of, a couple of you know, we basically did three years worth of care Okay. Uh, toward you know towards as they're older that's like, like a statistical yeah, average like yeah like when they're in their 80s uh, yeah. so that, you know it's toward the ends of their end of their lifetime uh, in their 80s and it's 3 years worth of care and as far as the dollars amount i mean around massachusetts it's what 130 140,000 yeah. a year or something like if that if not more i think nursing homes now could maybe? be 12 to 14,000 a month yeah you want to use 150 yeah yeah all right so $150,000 a year for 3 years yeah and basically, we're just going to run that and see, you know, off and compare it to their base, you know, their base scenario, which was the 85% uh, success rate. Yeah. And so this one's. This says, probably isn't going to look great because these people have all retirement accounts. So taking 150 grand a year from a retirement account means means taking 230,000 a year from retirement or whatever, right. 250. So their score um, went to 45%. Yeah. So it went from 85 to 45, yeah. you know, which is, you know, significant drop. Uh, didn't go to okay. zero, uh, but. So so now let's do a quick, a quick, um, let's say one of the, the, um, one of these clients, maybe they have parents that have assets and they're anticipating inheriting. So what what if they had, let's say, cash from an inheritance or a non-retirement account that was $400,000? Okay. And, you know, this can be a factor in the in the basic retirement plan. but But in this scenario, if they're like, well... You know, my parents. They do have well. They do have some money in this plan now. Okay. You had. Do they had like two hundred fifty thousand? Oh, in non retirement. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Well, let's still plug in the we anticipated could, inheritance. So maybe, we could bulk that up. Maybe one spouse says, you know, my parents are fairly well off, and you know, maybe they're worth a couple million dollars, and I have three siblings or two siblings, and maybe they're anticipating inheriting. Let's lowball it. Three four hundred thousand dollars. So you only add like four hundred thousand. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, just, just to play around with it. I mean, I, I think the long story short is that most, um, many people that we work with, they, you know, obviously the goal is to put together a successful retirement plan in order to be able to self-insure for long-term care, which is potentially a very significant expense for one person. That's just for one right. one of the spouses. And and um, just and just like the average day, some people stay for right. four or five. You know, yeah, more than three. Especially years. with the the statistics for people with cognitive impairments is is much longer than three years. Um, but yeah, I mean, your retirement has plan itself has to look incredibly successful for you to be able to factor in an extra you know, half a million dollar cost right. potentially in the future. So what, that's just what today's that dollars. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So if they had an inheritance, we said 400,000 mm-hmm. uh, and they, and they self-insured now their score is 76%. Okay. So, so actually that's an example where maybe they can self-insure. Maybe yeah, but they're that's, okay with But inheritance that. is, you know, not something you can bank on. That's, Absolutely. that's the tricky thing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so okay, so on the other side, how about we model if they buy the insurance? Yes, well, please see, do that. See if they can afford it, yeah, and and if that can you know what that does to their score. Yeah. So the more yeah, and I would say that this might be the more common model because if you're going to self-insure, first of all, yeah, you're right. Like you'd probably want to model more than a three-year stay because if the other spouse ends up needing care or if you stay longer, you'd probably want to model it longer than that. Um, but I mean, insurance, it, it's still a, a pretty small percentage of the population that proceeds with purchase of long-term care insurance, though I do think it is very appropriate for many people. Um, but I think a lot of people have sticker shock over this insurance. And, um, you know, I think maybe it, people are kind of maybe more comfortable just taking the chance. I, I, I don't know. Um, but for whatever reason, long-term care insurance in terms of the purchase of it hasn't quite taken off, though there are some new products, relatively new products, um, where people can buy like a hybrid life insurance long-term care policy. And I think those are gaining in popularity and rightfully so. I think those are those are very appropriate for some people, but I digress a little bit. Um, but so right now what Kirk is going to model is like, yes. let's say these what people do, are 57. What do, you, yeah, what, do, what do you want to use for a premium? I, I would use like, 
don't know, six or seven or eight thousand dollars a year. They're on the relatively young side, so maybe six thousand dollars a year if they're healthy for. Um, maybe not the Cadillac of insurance policies, but maybe like, I don't know, <laughs> like a middle of the road, okay. hopefully sufficient um, to cover some basic costs, insurance policies. Um, and we're just going to add that in as an expense in their life so right, so and now, see how that changes. So now they're going to buy the insurance, $6,000 a year, starting starting now. Uh, yeah. and, and I have it going all the way until 90, which, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, so that made it 72%. Okay, so th that's which, a so relatively it, minor. So, it was a, you know, it was a reduction in, in success, but, um, but, but that gives them a little more control. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not relying on this inheritance uh, and, you, and you're kind oh, of- Oh, that's without the inheritance. That's without the oh, inheritance. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, so, you know, it's kind of that thing. It's, do you want to take the risk? Um, where, you know, we can present the numbers to them. You know, yeah. th these are the numbers. You can either take the risk and here's what it might look like. Or you can, you know, be proactive. You know, you know, spend some money on the insurance, and and here's what this, you know, could you know probably look like. And and cover the risk using leverage, right? right. So life insurance or insurance is leverage, and with long-term care insurance, you're again. I think people do have sticker shock over the the costs of that. Um, but you have to remember that if in, in this example, if you're paying $6,000 a year between two people, well, could, could be a premium for one person depending on age and health and what you're buying. But you know, if you're spending that annually, that's not a sh small amount of money, but, but, but leverage just means that, well, I'm paying six grand a year, but I have access to maybe it's half a million dollars of, of a, a pool of money that I could draw from later. And so, you know, that's, if you pay in for five years and, and, and you paid in 30 grand and you have access to half a million, that, that leverage, you know, that, that's leverage. You, you're, you're, you're taking a chance, but if, but if you end up using it, it will have been money well spent. Unfortunately, some people end up not using their insurance and, and then they spent money to cover a risk, which never right. came to fruition. But, you know, pros and cons and and quite honestly we've had whole shows on long-term care insurance and those discussions and we will continue to do that periodically because it's a really important topic um and, yeah and yeah. the insurance it makes sense for not everyone uh, but there are certainly people that it does make sense for yeah and and quite simply being able to when you have a plan in place and being able to throw in the cost of that insurance just as basically as an expense in your life and seeing it how it impacts the big picture is um, another really powerful use for um, a financial plan. And I think a really, really good use for it because there's a lot of people that, that do have that sticker shock. And when we add in that expense in their life and it doesn't change their financial, the success of their financial future at all, it's kind of like, oh, I can afford that. Right. And, 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 I'm okay. and I'm playing defense. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I'll sleep a little bit better at night because maybe my mom had to go into a nursing home or, you know, a lot of people have experience with a family member and uh, yeah. it provides a little bit of peace of mind. Um, I, yeah. Go ahead. Unfortunately, and yeah, unfortunately it doesn't, it doesn't usually hit home until it happens to somebody in your family. Yeah. And by that point, a lot of times you might be older uh, as well. You know, yeah. if your parents are in their 80s or 90s, you know, you could be in your 60s or, or older and... It's just and hopefully healthy enough to buy the insurance right, if you want. Right, exactly. Um, all right, I think the one other, we've got, I don't know, eight or nine minutes. I think the one other um, sort of uh, manipulation we wanted to talk about or I wanted to talk about is uh, from an estate planning perspective. Um, so there are, so again, if, if, you, if you have a level of assets where you have, where you have done estate planning, excuse me, estate tax planning, um, not as common for people to have a federal estate tax problem now because you have to be worth over $11 million for that. But in Massachusetts, um, the, the estate tax exemption for a single person is a million dollars. So there are certainly people that have in a, a potential estate tax liability. Even if you don't have a million dollars, if you've got insurance, in life insurance in place and you will be worth a million dollars at death, including that life insurance, guess what? You might have, you know, you might have an estate tax liability, but there are some people that, um, that do some estate tax planning and that's a whole other show in and of itself. But basically, um, and I'm not, I'm not a legal professional, but um, basically you can um, put, you can do some trust work and put a plan in place where let's say you're a married 
couple and let's say you have three kids, you might put a, a, an estate plan in place where certain assets transfer directly to your spouse at death and then maybe certain other assets go into a trust that are earmarked for the kids, but the surviving spouse can't access the, that amount of money. Maybe they can take income that that amount of money generates, but maybe they can't touch the principal. So let's say you're worth $4 million and 3 million goes to your spouse and a million goes into trust for um, the kids and your spouse doesn't have access to that last million and they can they could take earnings maybe from that million but they can't touch the capital um, and so the the analysis would be um, it just ensuring that whatever that spouse envisions as his or her financial needs in in as a surviving spouse is that amount of money that transfers directly to them sufficient for those financial goals and and are we okay with a certain amount of money in that example a million because it utilizes the estate tax exemption and um and 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 bypasses and goes directly to the kids um just ensuring that that spouse is does not would not need to rely on that amount that goes directly to the kids so so that's the idea behind that um, and so there are times when I've had clients that are sort of going through this estate planning process and, 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 you know, having conversations with an attorney about a certain amount of money not being accessible to them directly um, as a surviving spouse. And that can be a little bit scary because, because right now the assets are mine and my spouse's, right? And, and, at, and at one spouse's death, if there's an amount that's not, that's not owned by me anymore, it's not accessible to me, I'm not the trustee, um, then that you just want to kind of tiptoe around that and make sure that 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 the remaining assets that go directly to the spouse are sufficient. And um, you know, depending on what your life costs, then you know you want to make sure you do that analysis. Um, so I think that's a pretty powerful use for um, a financial model as well. I don't think we have the numbers in place in this plan for Mr. and Mrs. Client. No. Um, in to to do that model, but um, I've worked through this model before with clients, and it's. Um, and again, it's just a lot of this is peace of mind and this one is just peace of mind. Okay, well, if we're gonna earmark, you know, it could be a million dollars going into trust for the kids and that's, that's a lot of money and, and just making sure that that spouse is gonna be okay um, for going access to that uh, in if they if they are to outlive their spouse. Yeah, so like the, you know, when we talk about this Monte Carlo uh, analysis that we run, yeah. you know, one of the things, you know, besides giving us that, that chance of success, you know, it also shows, it tells us, you know, what's kind of projected to be there at, at the end, you know, yeah. when, when they're, you know, what's in their estate. Yeah. Uh, and so that kind of gives us, that's what we can show them. Here's what you could probably have. That's right. Uh, fairly good odds. You know, like in the case of this example that we did run, you know, it's saying there's a pretty good chance that, that they are going to have, you know, have an, a Massachusetts estate tax problem. Yeah. So we can say, okay, it looks like you are going to have that problem, you know, do you, do you want to do anything about it? Um, yeah. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. and obviously we don't, you know, we don't, you know, we, you know, they talk to an, an attorney about, you know, setting up, you know, a trust or trusts and, yeah. and, and do that. But at least we can show them if they're going to have one and say, you should probably talk to somebody and, yeah. and at least learn more. Um, and I was just looking and, you know, it's, you know, so it's a million dollars and, but the thing is, it's a sliding scale. Well, of, it, yeah, yeah, it's a sliding scale, but you know, like if you, if you're, you know, estate was, you know, one point, oh, you're looking at what? I am, yeah, yeah, So yeah. if you like look at, you know, if your estate is one point, you know, one and a quarter million, let's say the the entire one and a quarter gets taxed. It's not just the quarter million. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a the, the million dollar exemption. So the taxable amount is the amount over the first, ex the, the million dollar exemption, yeah. Okay. All right, we could do it. We'll do, we've done whole other shows on that. Okay. Um, and we'll do, uh, I actually don't, we haven't had an estate planning attorney on in a little while. We'll have to, we'll have to do a whole nother show on, um, on that because the federal, at the federal level with the changes in the tax code, it's not, it's not as much of an issue for people under current tax law, which can always change. Um, but it's certainly an issue for, for many people, uh, in Massachusetts, but yeah, it's, it's a, it, we have a tier or we have a sliding scale of, of, um, taxability for people that have taxable estates. And so it can be relatively small dollars or it can be pretty significant dollars. But all right, we have just a few minutes left. What do we want to, what do we want to chat about, Kirk? Did we hit all the, 
high points. I guess the one thing we didn't model, which we could have modeled for Mr. and Mrs. Client is second property. Okay. Um, so for, which I don't know if we have time to do a full model here, but you know, we, there, there's a lot of people we chat with that, you know, are feeling like they have a pretty good plan in place and maybe have excess cash flow. Maybe their kids are already through school or maybe, or maybe not. And, and, you know, maybe they've always wanted that house down the Cape or that second property in Florida or where, wherever it is. Florida still seems to be hot for people, literally hot ah, and, ah, and popular ah. hot. Um, oh. But anyway, <laughs> I thought, oh, that, I thought wait, that was going to be that. like, keep going. <laughs> sorry. Just keep going. You're doing fine. I was expecting like a rim shot there. Yeah. Not that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, that it usually indicates time to wrap up, but almost time to wrap up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, we can use this to model. Okay. Affordability of another property and will you, will you, or will you not rent it? Um, you know, how does it affect potential retirement age? Um, if you're closing out investment assets to put it down, you know, put money down, you know, taxability of that, obviously, but also, um, you know, I have a smaller amount of money to draw from in retirement. And is that, is it still going to be sufficient? So lots of ways we can work right, through that it's, scenario. It's not a, um, it's, it's not an easy, you know, easy question. And it's, yeah, that's why having, you know, having the rest of their plan in place, you know, we can plug in all these variables and see how it affects affects everything. Yeah. There are, yeah, there are so many moving pieces with, with yeah. buying real estate as far as, you know, a down payment, uh, the ongoing expenses, you yeah. know, the mortgage, the, the, up, the upkeep. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if there's going property to be rent. Yeah, property manager, yeah, manager yeah. maybe. Is there going to be rent uh, or not? And then also kind of, you know, we could also, you know, we got to figure out if there's, you know, appreciation or not. Yeah. Uh, so there's so many variables that go into it. Um, all right. Well, good stuff. I thought we did a pretty good job talking about the ever-evolving <laughs> retirement plan. I liked that. That was a new topic for us, um, which is, you know, I think we've sort of touched on, uh, well, we've certainly done shows on financial planning in the past, but but touching on all the different ways to utilize, maybe all the different all the non-traditional ways to utilize a financial plan in place and all the different issues um, that we can address and problems we can solve and, um, and, and questions we can answer you, you having a plan in place, which is pretty cool. Um, I just wanted to a uh, quick announcement that we um, now have a dedicated website for McNamara on money. So um, we, which is just for us going to be like a hub for information. So um, you can go to McNamaraOnMoney.com. You can um, listen to podcasts. You can subscribe to our podcast. We, we are going to be increasing our amount of video content on there. And we also have a lot of written content on there on lots of different topics. You can search by topic, um, lots of different articles. So if you're looking to learn... Uh, check out McNamaraOnMoney.com. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I am uh, with McNamara Financial. We have offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Mass. Thank you for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.